Hi, welcome to the Story of Software podcast. And today we're going to talk about democratizing access to investments. We're joined by Juha Ristolainen, CTO at Upfest. How are you today, Juha? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. How about you? I'm doing very well. Looking forward to unpacking this topic. So for our listeners, Yuha has 34 years of programming experience, two decades building digital services, and you've worked in big companies. You've enabled small ones to scale, worked across a wide variety of sectors. But right now at Upvest, I understand you're working on an exciting new product that will democratize easier access to investment. So we're excited to get your thoughts and maybe to kick off, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're working on right now. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And happy to be here. So um, as you mentioned, I'm one of these lucky people who, who had a hobby, which turned into a career. So I knew from a pretty young age that this is what I'm going to be doing for a living. So I was born in the seventies. And, and when I got my first computer, probably around 1986, you used to have these magazines and program listings at the end of them, and, and you type that into a Commodore 64, and so something happened on the screen, and pretty soon you started tweaking those and changing the numbers from the listings and seeing things change on the screen, and that was magical to me, and, and that's why I already always knew that this is what I'm going to be focusing on, building software for a living, and that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last more than two decades now. I'm originally from Finland. Uh, I spent the first part of my career uh, on the consultancy side, joined a small Finnish consultancy when they were small. With that company, I had a chance to grow and, and see a lot of different sides of building software for other companies as a consultant. And also allowed me to travel to foreign countries and be a part of actually setting up in both Germany and, and the UK, which is where I've spent the last eight years. Currently, I, I'm in Berlin. I just moved here from London last summer. I think Berlin's a great mixture. Not as big as London, but great startup scene and a really international vibe. But yeah, after after that first half of consultancy, I've been working in different kinds of product companies, building digital services. So from e-commerce to travel, to automotive and logistics, and quite a lot of blockchain stuff and fintech. Just before I joined Upfest last summer, I was in London leading the B2B engineering for WISE, one of these fintech unicorns over there, where the B2B side was actually really close to what I'm doing right now, where we had great capabilities of the platform, but then we, we wanted to allow other companies to embed those capabilities right into their own products. So basically using the TransferWise API to allow easier and cheaper and faster cross-currency transfers to banks like Monzo and, and N26 and these kinds of companies. So that was my sort of start in this API and embedded finance journey, which we are now continuing at Upwest. So basically we are building a, an investment API platform. So basically the product is an API. So other companies who are our customers would integrate our API into their own products and allow them to offer all kinds of capabilities to their end customers, building whatever it is that they want to build, like from just traditional investing in buying stocks and ETFs and, and down the line cryptos as well. But it doesn't have to be building just the next Neo broker. It could be just, uh, we want to do a different kind of a loyalty program, for example, where, where you don't get points, but uh, fractional shares, for example. So. We don't really want to build the next big wealth management product ourselves. We enable the next 20 of those by providing an API platform for them to focus on what they need to do instead of having everyone do the same difficult bits all over again. Fantastic. So how does it work exactly? So Upvest is your company. As you mentioned, it's focused in API space. So what's the journey of investors as they interface with your software? 
Yeah. So as I mentioned, our customers are other companies. So it could be somebody building a new near broker to make it easy for younger millennials, for example, to start investing. We are a, a, a regulated company. We are under Buffin regulation and we have all the bank licenses, but the end user relationship is with our customer. So from my side in engineering, it's about helping their engineering team with the integration. This is how you then start onboard your customers to our platform. This is how you go through normal customer and uh, sanctions checks and all these things that are required. And then this is how you operate the platform. You create accounts and then how do you start to trace and order or create savings plans and these kind of things. So we try to design a modern JSON API. Uh, our job is to make the API as simple and easy to use as humanly possible. And the USB for a platform like us is that we take care of all the complex things. Like if you would integrate directly to a trading venue, you would use legacy APIs defined in the 80s that work uh, not in a very modern way. So, so we do all those integrations in background and then just expose a, a modern asynchronous API. So you submit things to us, we, we do things asynchronous in the background, and then, then we call you back via webhook. So it allows you to bring a really decoupled application from your traditional way of integrating with a trading venue, for example. You, have, you mentioned money laundering. Um, are there any other challenges and risks that you need to bear in mind when you're going the route of trying to democratize access? Well, I mean, obviously, this is a heavily regulated industry, so we have to follow all the regulations that are mandated on us, uh, which always poses its own challenges. Like, how can we meet the regulation, but in a most low barrier way to our clients? How can we make it easy for them to achieve this? How can we streamline these processes? These processes have been in place for a long time, but you can always do things a bit differently. And, and as long as you meet the requirements, uh, our job is to try to automate as much of that as possible. So obviously there's a bare minimum that you want to do, but we also always want to go beyond what is required from us. Our end goal is always to, what is the best outcome for our clients? How can we make it easiest for them? But on the wider picture, like democratizing access to investments, I think there's a lot of misconceptions of if you ask a normal person in Germany, for example, do they think about investing? So they might say that it's for the rich. It's nothing to do with me. So I think financial literacy and this education is quite a big thing that we need to get it into more people's heads that it's okay to start investing with just like putting 10 euros a month aside. It's a start. It's not something for the rich. But obviously then uh, with the education, you have to always keep in mind that, yes, there are risks involved. So investing always carries risk. So uh, not to put in more than you're willing to lose, for example. So our job is to provide all these building blocks for companies that they can provide. Uh, if it's a neo bank, for example, as a customer, and their end users are mostly millennials or, or even younger, they don't want to learn the ins and outs of investing, but they know that they want to start saving or investing. So we provide the tools so that they can build a savings plan. Uh, just set up a, a regular savings plan, put 10 euros a month aside, and then that's the extent that they need to know. You have, I might ask you a little bit about a trend towards tokenization. So is that something that you're facilitating your customers to do? Yes. So actually our background is in the blockchain space as Upvest. So, so we started in the 2017 ICO boom. Uh, it was this way of uh, projects and companies to raise funds by, by creating tokens and, and selling them to customers. 
that's not a big thing anymore, but the tokenization trend is definitely picking up and our existing product is this tokenized asset custody. So that's actually been uh, regulated in Germany since last year. And we just saw in the news Coinbase got the first license for that, but we are also amongst the first group to get this bank license. And I think the regulation in Europe will, will catch up to Germany at some intervals. So I think in general, it's good that there will be regulation around this topic because blockchain has been seen by the wider public as quite a wild west so far. So when things like this get regulated a bit, it brings more trust into the public. You have, before we get any uh, deeper into subsequent topics, I, I might just flag that neither you nor I are financial advisors, but we are going to get into some of these topics over the next uh, few minutes. So we've spoken about tokenization. Do you have a sense that an interest in fractional ownership and tokenization is a generational thing? Is it like uh, millennials and younger have more of an appetite to own part of an asset than maybe older folks would? Yeah, and I think it's also due to this. Uh, now the younger generation feels a bit disenfranchised because house ownership, for example, is is going further and further away from some of the younger generations because prices are just going out of reach. So this kind of uh, fractional ownership on in things is is definitely, I think, more more towards the more tech savvy and younger generations. But in general, it's quite interesting applying blockchain to to different kinds of asset class. Like now, non fungible tokens are a big thing for this kind of collectible space. So creating these tokens that are just one-offs or, or like a limited set of a, a hundred collectible tokens, meaning that it's just the one unique token. So things like that are coming up. And, and I think just a regular real-world asset tokenization, like ownership into, into real estate, for example, yeah, that, that there's definitely use cases in that. Uh, in fact, I just bought a small flat in Finland and the, the whole trade was done digitally and uh, the background systems were running on blockchain. Very cool. Do you see any use case in environmental terms for something like tokenization to drive greater forestry? So is there an appetite out there for micro ownership of forestry? So could the power of of blockchain be leveraged to, I suppose, bring more owners into the forestry world, resulting in more tree planting, etc.? Is that a concept you think that could really fly? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that particular use case, but in general, yes. Uh, So I'm also involved with a a non-profit called Blockchain and Climate Institute in London. So, so there we think about how can we use blockchain technology to further these topics that deal with climate change. So I think the, the most promise there currently, without looking too much ahead, is, is basically bringing transparency into these supply chains and logistics chains that have a lot of different players in there and are not really transparent currently. That's actually something we worked on quite a lot when I was at Daimler in the innovation hub. So we looked into blockchain use cases in, in the supply chain. So I think those kind of things are the sort of low-hanging fruit. Situations where you have many different parties, you don't, you don't want to require parties to trust each other. They need to all trust the blockchain and, and the verification and proof that is there. So I think supply chain and, and logistics is actually quite a good use case for that. And those kind of things are on the agenda with the Blockchain and Climate Institute. Yuha, I'd like to ask you about IPOs. So over the past number of decades, there's been a decline in the number of initial public offerings. How has this impacted the investment landscape? Well, like you said earlier, I'm not an investment expert or of any kind. Uh, so I'm building systems for investment experts to build their investment assets. But like we've already discussed, there's quite a lot of new kinds of asset classes coming up now with the blockchain cryptos and all these kind of tokenizing real world assets and non-fungible tokens and all these kind of things that actually I've noticed that in recent years, 
some companies have opted to go via the direct listing approach. So my previous employer, Vice, is doing, they're not looking to raise more money. They just want to widen their ownership. So, and I think Deliveroo did it a year ago as well. So to me, I think the investment space is just widening and growing with all these new technologies right now. Johan, I'd be very interested in your opinion on the Robinhood GameStop situation that surfaced in, in recent months. What's your opinion on, on what went on there? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's uh, interesting and it's a good example of the, the power of the masses. And now on the 24-7 connected world where people get together and I was watching from the sidelines, but I think it is an interesting phenomenon of the age. I think underlying there's the situation with Robinhood, for example, probably could have been mitigated if the financial infrastructure that's underlying all this be more modern. Like currently, when you do these kind of transactions, money actually settles only a few days later when the actual transactions are made. So companies have to build up risk buffer to cover the positions and all that kind of stuff. If you had sort of an immediate settlement and using blockchain technology for this kind of infrastructure underneath would mitigate some of those risks making it more transparent, the whole market. But yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't comment on, on what went on there. I, it was just an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether something like that resurfaces again. Moving back to, to Upfest, uh, I'd love to know a little bit about, from a technological perspective, some of the challenges that you're working with. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, like I said, we're building a traditional HTTPS JSON API for companies to integrate, but at the back of it, it's actually quite a complex distributed system. So obviously uh, we're cloud native from day one. So everything we do is on the cloud and we, we try to build decoupled systems so that there are different areas of the system that focus on one thing. And then really it's an event driven system. So basically a lot of events flying around the system and then other parts of the system are reacting to them. So allowing us to isolate and work on different areas of the platform more easily. But yeah, in general, it's uh, quite standard stuff, uh, building microservices on the cloud with uh, containerization and service mesh, and we use Kafka quite a lot. But we're not just building the technology and the platform, right? We've actually grown quite a lot already since last summer when I joined. I think then we were about 15. Now we are closing to 60 people soon. And, and Probably next time this year will be a hundred more. So we're also building the company, building the organization. We're building our culture. So it's a lot in the, in the same mix. So it's never boring here. Great. My final question for you, Yuha, is I guess in Upfest and the type of business that you are, what's coming next in the world of investing? So without violating any kind of client confidentiality, could you tell us a little bit about what we could expect? So for you know millennials and younger. What type of investing opportunities are we going to see? How is technology going to enable that? Yeah. So like we already saw in banking, all these neo, neo banks, Monzo and Revoluts of the world, uh, I think the same thing is happening in investment. So there are all these Robin Hoods and, and, and Trade Republics making it much more accessible to people. So I think the same thing is now happening in the investment space. But in the long term, I see still the blockchain, the technology, like allowing a much easier access to investing in, in non-public companies as well, uh, all these kinds of uh, crowdfunding platforms. So there's a lot of things that would benefit from using this sort of next generation infrastructure technologies. So being able to invest in earlier startups and all these kind of things uh, gets me excited about where the whole industry is going in the future.
Yeah, I guess that's an opportunity as well for for companies with high potential to really bring some capital into their organizations without having to deal with some of the challenges that go with either the VC world or having to go for IPO. Yeah, and exactly and that was the the whole ICO boom was four years ago, but uh, but there's always this partner hype cycle where things happen first just because it's hype, but then when you get to the plateau of maturity kind of thing, that's when the things get interesting. Certainly is. Yuha, I'd like to thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to speak with you. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And just a quick note that we are hiring across all, all departments. So engineering, we're looking a lot of uh, engineers and growth and operations and product, all kinds of people needed. Fantastic. So is that upfest.com? It's upfest.co. Fantastic. Great to hear. So Yuha, again, thank you so much for your time. Production is by Albina Kristeva, editing by Adnan Tukar, and music by Robert Clooney. Catch you next time on the Story of Software podcast.